Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. Let's take our Bibles tonight, please, to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter number one tonight, Proverbs chapter number one. It's been a, it's been a good while uh, since we've been in this book, and I want us to look at another thought that we have here uh, in the book uh, after we have just a brief moment of reviewing where we've been. But we'll read a few verses uh, together this evening, and uh, when you find your place in Proverbs chapter number one, we'll stand together in honor and reverence the reading of the Word of God, and I'm going to try to do what I did on Sunday night, and that is to try uh, to uh, not keep you too much past the top of the hour, and uh, so I'm I'm watching, and uh, I've got enough of a reputation of ignoring that clock back there, but I do know it's back there, and uh, I have looked at it a couple of times since I've been here, amen, Uh, but tonight we're going to try our best to look at it, amen. Uh, I I know Wednesdays are tough. I know you had a very full and busy day and probably need to get somewhere to rest, especially the way that we're going to be using a lot of you this week. Amen. And I felt led this week, uh, and I say this jokingly, but uh, there's a few folks in here that I felt like I need to give some kind of certificate to or plaque to uh, because they've been here just about every night for two weeks for one reason or another. And uh, so I appreciate those folks know who they are, and I appreciate that. And let me just say this. If you say, well, I hadn't been here every night. That's fine. You know, every night for two weeks. That's fine. I appreciate you too. And uh, because a lot of you have been here a lot of days of these last few weeks. And I want you to know I recognize that and I appreciate that. And I know that the Lord's keeping a record. And there's going to be a day where we stand before Him. We'll all be glad that we did more for the Lord and not less. Amen. But let's read the Word of God together. Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 1. The Bible says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. And then verse number 10 says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. And we'll conclude our reading there for the sake of time this evening. You may have a seat, and we'll bow for prayer together and ask God's blessing on the on the time together in His Word this evening. Amen. I'm going to ask Brother Louis Stankwich, would you mind please praying for us tonight and pray that God would help us in the message. Yes, God. 
Normal. Yes, Lord, thank you, God. I pray, God, that the word went forth and it won't go back void. I pray that it will do something. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for each person that's here. And Lord, we just pray that you'll bless the service. Yes. Thank about preacher Townsend, Lord, loss of his wife. We pray, God, to Oh, God, him. touch him, Lord. Pray that you'll help him. Lord, we've seen loss in this church. It's doesn't matter how long we live or how long people have been married. It's still that separation. It's hard. Yes. God, we just pray that you bless the pastor. Fill him with your spirit. Help him, Lord, as he preaches tonight. Help us to listen, to learn, to heed what we hear. Amen. We thank you in the wonderful name. God grant it, Lord. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Here, of course, we understand this passage of scripture. It's not anything complicated. Uh, we know what is being said. These are introductory words to describe this book that we have before us. And uh, several, and I guess it was back in early August uh, was where we began to look at a few of these things. And then with missions conference and some other things, uh, we've, we've paused some of our thoughts here. Uh, but I want us to look at some things here tonight and then finish up uh, this thought as far as just the introduction, I guess, to uh, this book and uh, some of the truths here. And I know that many of you read from this book every day. Uh, many of you read from it at least at least several times a month. And uh, my pastor's wife, um, that we I heard from her many times, is her and my my pastor taught our youth group in the early days of our church. Uh, how he would mention that his wife, from the time she was a young teenager, had made a practice of reading uh, one proverb every day. Uh, from the time she was a young teenager. And uh, whatever the day of the week was, Proverbs has 31 chapters. Many months have 30 to 31 uh, days. And so she would just read whatever the day on the calendar was. She'd read that proverb for the day. And she did that for year after year that turned into decade after decade. And uh, I think because of that, she's turned into one of the wisest women I've ever known. And uh, that's what this book does. That's what this book gives to those who read it. And that is what uh, has, that's what's being spoken of here. And I want to dig into more of those things later. Uh, but I want us to just simply uh, look at, you know, I think when we come to books of the Bible, uh, when it comes to just these introductory words, I feel like we miss a lot just because we know what it is. It's an introduction. And we receive it that way. And uh, I think we sometimes miss out on the fact that, uh, that every word of God God is inspired. Amen. That every single word in our Bible has come from God. And it every word the Bible says uh, has something that it can profit us in our daily life. Amen. And so we've taken a few messages to look at some of these introductory thoughts. And I want to finish uh, some of that this evening. We've talked about just simply what I call a preface to Proverbs. And that's what these verses are. It is a, it is a preface. It is a uh, it is a it is a open it's an it's a it's a open uh, door if you will a gateway to the book as a whole just getting us prepared for what we are about to do as we go from chapter to chapter and page to page in our personal reading of this wonderful book and so we talked about just but briefly by way of introduction I know it's been a while uh, since we have uh, been in this book we talked first of all and we asked the question. Uh, 
uh, we, we talked about what this book is. Uh, it is. It is a book of Proverbs. The Bible said these Proverbs, that it's, it's the Proverbs of Solomon. And we talked about what a Proverb is. The book of Proverbs is a collection of Proverbs. It is a book of Proverbs, a book of adages or old sayings that have uh, received credit by being uh, used for a long time. And then you see their value and how long they've been used and stated. Uh, they are wise observations that have been handed down by antiquity. We talked about uh, a couple of well-known proverbs of our own uh, that are not in the Scripture, but uh, we know what they are, wise sayings. We talked about the, the Chinese proverb that said, uh, you know, if you, if you uh, give a man a fish, you'll feed him for a day. But if you teach a man to fish, you'll feed him for a lifetime. And that's a wise saying that uh, the Chinese had. We talked about some of our, uh, our adages in America that any job worth doing is worth doing well. When the going get tough, the tough get going to leave no stone unturned, to hope for the best and prepare for the worst, that actions speak louder than words, that two wrongs don't make a right, that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, that there is no such thing as a free lunch. It's better late than never. Easy come, easy go. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. The early bird catches the worm. The pen is mightier than the sword. And my personal favorite, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Amen. And uh, those are just some examples in our modern day of what a proverb is. But of course, we understand this book has more to offer than just uh, what human, uh, human wisdom has to offer. This is divine wisdom given uh, through a human penman by the name of Solomon. And so we talked about what we talked about. Uh, we talked about what this book is, but then we talked about whose this book is. And verse number one says that these are the Proverbs of Solomon. And we, we looked in Solomon's life. We saw different things about who Solomon is and then about the moment in time in first Kings chapter number three, where God gave Solomon wisdom uh, to which these, these words are a result of. Uh, when he came to the throne, he asked God for wisdom that he may judge this great nation, and God gave him that. And no doubt this book is a result of that. It came as a result of a great need. It came as a result of answered prayer, and it came as a result of divine provision. God is the one that gave uh, this wisdom to Solomon. And so we've talked about those things. We, we, we've talked about uh, we talked about uh, what this book is. We talked about whose this book is. But then uh, the last thought I want us to talk about this evening is who this book is intended for. And uh, I understand that there's much that could be said. I'm just going to try to touch on some things tonight and then maybe next Wednesday night dig into a little bit more of the details. But if you look in these words, it is very obvious that Solomon is telling us who this book is for. He even names several groups of people that he specifically, and I believe that just by God using him to write this down, this being part of God's word, that with this book that God gave to Solomon, I believe that when he tells us these groups and states the names of these groups here uh, in the text, I believe that it is God letting us know who can benefit from these words the most. And so let's talk about that tonight, who this book is intended for. Again, let's begin there in verse number one. 
The Bible says the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. I want to say something first of all that we see that who this book is intended for when we look at who Solomon is speaking of in his audience. And the first audience that we see recognized in the text is what I'm going to call the starting audience of Proverbs. And what I mean by that is where uh, is, who is the first recipient of these words? Where uh, does these wise sayings from God, where does it land first? It lands with Solomon's heart first. The starting audience is Solomon. The Bible says the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. In other words, God gave these words to Solomon first, and then as you read through when he says the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give, notice that, to give subtlety to the simple, to give uh, to the young man knowledge and discretion. And then it talks about the wise man and a man of understanding in verse 5, talks about uh, understanding a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. It is obvious here that God is intending by giving these words to Solomon for him to in turn give them to someone else, first of all to receive what he needs from them and then in turn uh, to turn around to give them to someone else that they may receive what they stand in need of through these words. So that is the audience, that is uh, the intended uh, audience of this book where it starts. Amen. Uh, so God gave it to him uh, so he could give it to others. And notice, notice what is given to Solomon here. Again we see verse number one that it is Proverbs that are given to Solomon. We've talked about how these are wise sayings but let me go a little bit more uh, specific, a little bit deeper if I can with what Solomon has been giving here, it's not just wise sayings that are cute and quaint to say and maybe have a little bit of wisdom to offer, but the Hebrew word for uh, Proverbs literally gives the idea of rules and dominion. In other words, that these are to be rules that have dominion over our everyday practice. These are to be rules by which we live our life. That is the importance of this book. For a Christian uh, to not have very much of a relationship with a book of Proverbs is to be a Christian who is ignoring the basic rules by which God has given us to live. And I understand that other books of the Bible and other passages of Scripture, there are more rules, there are more principles, there's more scriptural instruction that we have. But this entire book book is given to be general rules that we are to live by. Now let me say this, you will come to times where you will read a particular proverb and you'll say, well I don't know if that is always the case in every single situation. 
And that is okay for you to come to a proverb with that kind of mentality. Here's the reason why. These rules to live by are generally speaking. Uh, life does not always, my life is not always going to turn out the same way yours does. Your experience is not going to be ideally exact to, to, to mine. And so these principles are simply uh, rules. They are, it is, you've heard the term, the general rule. That's what these are. These are the general rule by which we can expect life to come our way. Our experiences that the, that the majority of the time when you, when you see an event uh, uh, playing out before your eyes, it will fall underneath uh, the guideline of a particular proverb. There's much wisdom to be gained uh, from this book. So Solomon is the one that is the starting audience that God wanted Solomon to know these things so that he could give them uh, to others. Now let's move on from that and look not only at the starting audience, but then I want to look at what I'm going to call the summarized audience. Look with me at verse number two. Verse 1, of course, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. And now notice this, to know wisdom and instruction. Most of the time, when you come to a book of the Bible, there was, especially in the New Testament, especially in Paul's epistles and Peter's epistles and their letters, of course, we understand those books of the Bible, they have an audience that they're writing to, and they will specifically name who it is they're writing to. Here we find the absence of a name. It is just that God gave Solomon these words so that I believe so that he, but then by the fact that no specific name is given here in verse number two and no specific name uh, is given in verse number three, that I believe that this book is given not just to Solomon, but there is elements of this that applies to every person. So the summarized audience is that which applies to everybody. You will see in the book of Proverbs that there are things in here uh, for anyone, no matter who they are, no matter how they were raised, no matter what ethnicity they are, no matter what gender they are. These are this is not a book for men, and then you have to have another book for women. But God has given us a book that is filled with godly wisdom and has, uh, has truth that applies to every man, woman, boy, or girl. No matter how old you are, how young you are, there is a truth in the book of Proverbs for you. And we'll deal with more about that here in just a moment. But notice he says this. He says, <coughs> he says there in verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction. There's not one particular person that, ex that, that is to have wisdom and instruction that excludes everyone else from needing wisdom and instruction. Does that not mean that, there, that every person under the sound of my voice this evening, including the preacher in the pulpit, needs wisdom and instruction? Yeah. 
If that's the case, we, we all need it. It applies to all of us. Amen. And so this book was written for us. Amen. Was written for everybody because everybody needs wisdom and instruction. It was written, he says, not only, uh, not only there to, uh, to know wisdom and instruction, to, to know it. Amen. Uh, to have, a, to have a, a, a deeply possessed knowledge of what it is to be wise and instruction. See, wisdom here in your Bible uh, is those general rules to live by that we find here in Proverbs. But then instruction goes a step further. It is taking those general rules and now it is, know, it is you knowing how to live by those general rules. It's one thing for you to know the rule. It's another thing for you to put into practice. That is what wisdom and instruction is. If I'm giving, when, 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 I, when I talk to my children, there's a whole lot of times I give them wisdom. Amen. There's been several times that uh, I have had to, when my, my young ones was little, I had to give them wisdom by, uh, by uh, telling them just, just things they needed to know, things that they needed to deposit somewhere in their brain. But then when I come alongside of them and say, all right, son, all right, uh, you know, all right, Wyatt, all right, Joey, whoever, that now I've told you that this is what is right and this is what you need to know, now let me show you how to do it. That is wisdom versus instruction. God doesn't want you to just have a lot of stuff you know in your head that you have no idea how to live it in your life. God wants you to have wisdom that you can then in turn turn around and put into shoe leather. He says to know wisdom and instruction. Notice those two. He puts those together because they lose their value if they're not coupled together. He says this, to know wisdom and instruction. Then he says this, to perceive the words of understanding. The words of understanding. Now, let me say this. First of all, the, the perception, that deals with discernment. That deals with your ability to recognize and to choose what is words of understanding and what is not. You see, God doesn't want you to just have information for your head. He doesn't only want you to have information in your head that you know how to act on. But God wants you to be able to use your senses to determine what is best for you and what is not best for you. The definition of wisdom, I heard one preacher say one time that the greatest definition, not wisdom, excuse me, the greatest definition for the word discernment, which is uh, synonymous with the word understanding here, that the greatest definition of the word discernment is not, that not to, to be able to tell the difference between right and wrong, but a person with discernment knows how to, to tell the difference not just between right and wrong, but from what's right and what's almost right. What is right there on the edge. It looks right. It could, with, with, the right, with the right kind of spin on it, someone can make it look right, but you know that there's just enough wrong with it that it can't be right. That's what discernment is. To be able to have not just, there, there, there's different kinds of discernment, but I'll tell you that the greatest discernment we need as believers is a discernment from God, a discernment based upon God's Word that gives us wisdom in life. We have knowledge for our head. We know how to put it into practice, but then we have the ability to use our minds to make those decisions even in a moment to where things just, they, they, it all can look good and it can, it can, just, it can seem just about right 
but for you to be able to know that there's just uh, there's just enough wrong with that that I don't need to pursue that particular action. I don't need to pursue that particular mindset or whatever the case may be. You know, it, it, I know again this is a proverb that we've used, but I think it's true. All that glitters is not gold. Uh, discernment and understanding, uh, having a discerning mind that comes from God and His Word and the wisdom that God gives that allows us to understand that practically, that while it may be glittering, amen, it might be, it might be glistening, but it's not right for us, amen. A, a man that is void of biblical understanding is no better than the fish that you hooked on the other end of your hook recently. They saw something glittering, but they didn't have the discernment to tell that that hook may not be the food they're looking for in this moment. And there's been a whole lot of Christians that have gotten themselves hooked by something in this world because they didn't have enough discernment to stay away from it. Here God says that the book of Proverbs was given through Solomon to you and I so that we wouldn't have knowledge and understanding. We'd have knowledge and instruction, excuse me, and we would be able to perceive words of understanding. <clears throat> when someone is saying something to us that is right, we would be able to recognize words of understanding. When we read something, whether it be online or whether it be in social media or whether it be on the news station or whatever the case may be, what we hear, what we read, what we, what we come in contact with, the words of communication into our mind, into our heart, the information that we receive, we would be be able to recognize what's right and what's not. What's right and what is trying to masquerade itself as right, but really is nothing more than a hook that is going to hurt us in the long run. He says here to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, that we might be instructed in ways of wisdom, in ways of justice. That is, that is doing others right. That is being right ourselves and judgment. That's making decisions that is having that, that's, that's having reasoning about us, amen, to make the right choices and then equity, uh, to, have, uh, to have equity, amen. So he wants us to be able to have that, and those are things that are for every single person. Solomon is the starting audience, amen. Uh, all mankind is a summarized audience, that that is a portion of this text, that is a summarization of what the book is meant for. But now let's, let's look at this this evening. Number three, let's look at what I want to call the specific audience. <clears throat> and this is the last thing that we'll deal with this evening. The specific audience. Look with me at verse number four. As we begin reading in verse four, the, Solomon under the inspiration of God goes from the general to very specific. Notice he says here, he does name some uh, groups of people here in verse 4. The book of Proverbs was given, uh, he says in verse 4, to give subtlety to the simple. Now, uh, subtlety, that is, uh, that is, you know, the, the, the uh, subtlety or subtlety, I've heard some people say, uh, being subtle, uh, you know, that is what Genesis says was a characteristic of the devil. Now, are you saying, does God want me to be like the devil? Uh, in this way, he does. Not, not in all of his ways, but in this particular characteristic, he does. 
Here's what the Bible says about the devil there, that the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. It meant that he was more crafty. It meant that he was more cunning. It meant that he was more deceptive. Are you saying preacher God wants me to be deceptive? No, not necessarily. God doesn't want us uh, to be liars or to be, uh, to be unwise. But here's what he does want us to be. He does want us to be prudent. He wants us to be able to look down life's journey a little bit and make decisions more than just based on details that are right in front of our eyes. Prudence is wisdom that is put afar off. One of the greatest examples in, uh, in, our, in our, uh, the history of our world, and I, ha I, ha I do in my devotions recently, and I saw the word prudence, and I, and I thought about this illustration. I put it down in my Bible app on my phone that I was reading out of at the time, and I put it down just because it came to my mind. But historically, I think one of the greatest examples of prudence in <coughs> world's history is Albert Einstein. And you say, you say, preacher, that, you know, how, how is Albert Einstein applicable to this particular message? I think, I think greatly so. Do you realize that Albert Einstein was a German citizen? who uh, right around the time that Hitler came to power had enough wisdom and had enough understanding and as he began in a period of time by the way many may not know this but in, uh, but in the early 1930s I believe it was 1933 if I'm not mistaken do you realize that Adolf Hitler was Time Magazine's Man of the Year? <laughs> He was lauded by the world as one of the greatest philanthropists and humanitarians uh, in the world at that time. He was one of the most popular men in the world. Here's the reason why. He took a German nation that had been ravished by the First World War to where their money was, 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 so, was so valueless that they were taking their German marks, piling them up in the street, and setting them on fire. There were homes that used their money as toilet paper because it had no value any other way. It was worthless to them. They, their, their land was, was destroyed and they, they had no money and their government was in chaos. And here you have a man that comes with a golden tongue and he comes and he promises people prosperity. He promises them better times. And when people are hungry, you can give them just about anything. And they'll, 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 take, that, they'll take that dogma hook, line, and sinker. If they're starving to death and you offer food for their children, they'll follow you to the end of the world. And that's what they did. How is it that, that he was able to accumulate such power so quickly? It was because he promised them everything. And the sad thing is, and I know this is political and could get me in trouble, but I, I'll say this, that the, the reality, the scary thing in America is that much of what Hitler wrote in his, in his book Mein Kampf and much of what he said in his, in his speeches is exactly what the Democratic Party is promising America today. When you look them side by side, it the, 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 the teachings of the Nazis is the, it, is, it follows the basic guidelines of the Democratic Party today. Yeah, right. <clears throat> 
Hitler was, Hitler was man of the year. And in a time where everybody was promoting him as the greatest thing to hit Europe, hit, uh, 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 Albert Einstein started seeing, uh, started, he, he, had, he, he understood his hatred toward the Jewish people. And he began to see a far off why nobody else saw it. He and he alone saw it. And he left Germany for America. Because he says, I know if I stay, he's going to be coming after me because I'm a Jew. That far down the line, when there wasn't a concentration camp yet, when the Nazi party was looked at as the greatest thing to happen to Germany in a thousand years, when they were looking at it as this is, these are our glory days, and Hitler is going to give us a thousand year reign, the Third Reich, and we're going to have a thousand years of being at the top of the world. Adolf Hitler saw something that no one else saw because he was a man of great wisdom. Excuse me, Albert Einstein saw that and he ran from Germany and he saved his life. That's prudence. The ability to see a danger afar off, amen. Here, when he, told, when he tells us here that, we are, that, that the Bible uh, is saying that it's to give subtlety, that means to give prudence, is to give a refinement, is to allow some to be cunning, uh, to have wise, some wiliness about them. <clears throat> One author I read behind said this, that it is to be a good kind of trickster. You have the ability to make such decisions. You have the ability to, 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 to see what's going on and make decisions to be crafty and to be smart about the steps you take. Here's who, who he's writing to. He says to give subtlety, to give that kind of mental ability, that discerning ability to the simple. Do you know who needs prudence, who needs, uh, who needs uh, wiles and cunning? It's those who are simple. The word simple here in the text, it carries the idea of openness and wandering. It gives an idea of someone that just stands and wanders. In other words, they're, they're so open-minded that it just seems like their brain's just falling right on out. You ever known somebody like that? Hey, don't point. Amen. I, I know. I know how bad these churches are. Amen. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna open up what I did on Sunday. I started started talking about what I started talking about on Sunday about drive-throughs, and everybody started ratting on everybody. Amen. Miss Danita, that was the first time I've ever seen somebody ratted out from almost the back toward the front. She called him out six rows ahead of her. Amen. So we're not gonna do that this evening. But have you ever known anybody to where it just seems like that they're just in their own little world all the time and they just, it's like they just sit there and they just wander around and, you know, have you, you sit there and you look at people like that and say, you, have, you, have you any ambition at all? <laughs> I say, it's just good to be in la-la land all the time, not, not have a care in the world. That's essentially what's being spoken of here. Uh, literally, it is someone who is not very intelligent. A simple person is one who is naive, someone who is foolish, someone who has an open mind and or an empty mind is the, what the word means. So let me, let me just remind you of this. When the world looks at you, especially you young people, and tells you to open your mind, don't do it. 
There are warnings here against people with open minds. God calls those people simpletons. The, the simple here. These are individuals that seem as if they are amazed that they are filled with wonder by the smallest of things. Have you ever known anybody that everything is a big deal to them? It doesn't matter how big or how small, everything's a big deal to them. They have a, they have a chicken little syndrome that the sky's fallen. For the littlest of things, it's a big deal. And when the big th here's what you'll find with simple people a lot of times. The simple things are big deals, and big deals, they don't know are big deals because they, they, they don't have enough wisdom to know that it's actually a big deal. <clears throat> so they have to make small things a big deal. When I think of someone who is naturally simple, y'all are wondering whose name I'm about to call. <laughs> Amen. I think of my children. Here's the reason why. When you're a child, you're supposed to be simple. You're supposed to be amazed by the small things. They're learning. They have an excuse to be simple. You know, I think about... I think about my children. You know, my oldest son, he, he is amazed. You know, he, we've, for two, for the, he's been in school two years. He's in second grade now, kindergarten. We homeschooled him last year. Now he's in second grade. So he's two years with us and one year in Christian school. So he's been, there are a lot of things he's been learning. He's not as simple as he was when he first started. But you know what amazes him, Brother Stacy? We've taught him to read. We've done everything we can to teach him to read. The boy is like his daddy was growing up, just hated to read. Now, if y'all were to come into my office today, either here or at the church, y'all would not believe that the preacher at one time hated to read because my office is surrounded by books. I've got books stacked up on a table in the middle of the room. I've got bookshelves all around my office at home, and I've got hundreds of books here. And then if I were to take my, my computer and my flash drives and my iPad, I would be able to show you five or 6,000 more books I have digitally. <laughs> So you would never believe that I would hate reading, but he is just exactly like I was at his age and all the way through school. But here's what amazes him, Brother Stacy. We'll be driving down the road, and when he realizes that moment where he realizes he can read that street sign that we just drove by. For him, that's the biggest thing in the world. Now let me ask you this. Brother Lewis, you drive professionally. When was the last time you read a street sign and you said, oh, I can't believe I just read that sign? Last time you just amazed, good, good, gracious, I read a sign. <laughs> Hadn't happened in a while, I'm sure, but it happens to him every week. <clears throat> He's amazed. That's a simple thing. It's a small thing to a lot of us, but it's a big deal to him. You know why? Because there is an element of simplicity there with him as a child. One of the, fun, the funniest things about Joey, I think about Joey and how he can be simple at times. You know, y'all know him. His big thing is he loves his toys. I mean, we can't, we can't leave the house without him loading up a metal pail of toys and carrying them anywhere we go. He's got to have, he's got to have enough toys to spend the day when we go out for 10 minutes. But with him playing with his toys all the time, guess what happens all the time? He breaks them. Anybody remember little boys and toys? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They tear them up. Well, he'll bring them to me and Mama. 
And the fact that we can take these two pieces, he'll hand them to us, we'll put them together, usually a head coming off or something like that. We'll take the head, we'll put it back on there, and we'll hand it straight back to him, and his eyes get big. It is, to him, it's like, Daddy's a superhero. He just put it on there, and there it was. You know, Mama, mama you know, it's just, Brother Dean, it's just, how in the world did they do that? I sat here, and I banged it together, and I tried to do everything I could, and I couldn't get it to happen. I handed it to Daddy two seconds, it clicks, and he hands it back to me, and I go off playing, and he just marvels at that. You know why? It's because he's simple. And then, of course, Maisie, being, being just two years old, she's amazed by everything. <laughs> every scenario in life shocks her every day. And, you know, that's one of the joys of children. That's one of the most wonderful things about children. That brings my heart every time I see it. You can't help but giggle at them. Because for us, we know that shouldn't be that big a deal. But to them it is. Because they're simple. Here's the problem. And I know I made, that, I, made, I made that a very, very happy thing. But you know why that's a happy thing? It's because they're children. When you start having adults that are just as simple as some children, that their minds are so void of wisdom and understanding just like a child. Everybody in here has met an adult. If you hadn't met an adult, it may be you, so don't say anything too loud. Amen. But every one of us has met an adult that when you talk to them, you can tell. It's like, are they operating on the level of a teenager? Y'all have worked with those guys. Y'all can say amen to that. Y'all have worked with those ladies to where every value they got is a value of a child. Every goal they have in life, it seems very childish to have. Every, their, their ambitions, their dreams, their goals, their daily schedule, the things they give their time to, it's very childish. The reason is they've never grown in wisdom. They've never grown in prudence. You see, that's what, that's, what, that's what this book gives to somebody in their life. It lets you not live as a simpleton forever. It allows you to have a life to where you can make decisions like you're supposed to. And that will be best for your family. <coughs> and, here's, and here's another idea that is found here in this, in this word understanding. It also gives the idea, a person of understanding, it means that you have something that will, that you, you have the ability to discern and reason so that you can build your life in such a way to where you'll have something from your life to give to the next generation. You see, when the Hebrews read that word, it gave them in their mind a word picture of building a house. And it would be a house that they would in turn give to their children. It would be an inheritance that they built. And I may not be able to build a house to pass down for my kids, but I can let God help me by His grace and by His mercy have a life that is built up in wisdom to where I can build a spiritual house. I can build, I can build a house of knowledge and understanding and wisdom and prudence and be able to give them words of understanding that will outlive me and will go to them as they grow, go, as they grow and they go to build their own houses for their own families, not physical structures but of wisdom and understanding. 
So here we see that he says to know wisdom and instruction to, uh, to perceive words of understanding. He says there in verse 4 to give subtlety to the simple. So we see there's a starting audience. There's a summarized audience. There's a specific audience, one of which is the simple. But then secondly, and I'm going to have to hurry with some of these things. Secondly, let me say this, that it's for the young. He says this in verse number 4, to give subtlety to the simple and to the young man wisdom and discretion. To all of you young people in here that think that there's, that there's a day that's somewhere later on in your life where you need to start getting serious about God's Word and serious about living for the Lord and walking with God, and there's a date you've got in your mind or an age in your mind or a particular, uh, there a particular stage in your life where you say, at this point it's going to be the point that I'm going to start getting serious about the Lord then if that's in your mind, let me encourage you tonight to scrap that plan because it's not biblical. The Bible says that God gave Solomon a book of the Bible so that you would read it and you would receive as a young person something you need for your life. That you, yes, you, not just church is not just for adults. As much as we've heard it and as much as I understand what preachers of the past were insinuating when they say this is adult business. Yes, there is a lot of adult things. Amen. We ought not to be distracting and I understand all those things. But friend, if you're a young person in here, a life walking with God is for you at your age. If you're old enough to be saved, you're old enough to be spiritual and to walk with God. This book says that there are words in the book of Proverbs that have you as a target audience. There are things that are for you that, that you may take as a young person that may not be as applicable to the older crowd in here. It's for you. Can I even tell you this? The, the initial audience of Proverbs, Solomon, God gave it to Solomon. Who is Solomon giving it to? In, in, in particular, he gives it to his son. If you read the context here, his son is in the days of his adolescence. He's either a teenager or a young adult. Because of what he's talking to him about. Those are teenage issues, young adult issues. The, the legitimate audience of Proverbs, it was directly written for Solomon to give a blessing to his teenage or young adult adolescent son. Who should be reading the Proverbs? Yes, everybody should. The simple should. But even young people should be reading this book and giving it great value in their life. <laughs> Verse 5 talks about a wise man will hear and increase learning, a man of understanding. This means this book is even for those that have some wisdom and have some understanding. This book is given so you'll be able to keep your wisdom and keep your understanding. And the Bible even says this, says there, wise men will hear and will increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. In other words, if you are wise, if there is an element of wisdom, if there is an element of understanding, which, by the way, should be every adult in here. I'm not saying that it is. I'm saying that it should be. And God help all of us that it be that way. But the book of Proverbs is how a man that our man, woman, boy, or our man or woman has the, has the ability to keep on growing in wisdom. You may have some, but if you're going to settle for not just a little bit and you're going to keep growing in that, you're going to have to give yourself to this book. 
it's important for that. Here's the last thing I give. He mentions there in verse number 8. He says, my son. He says it again in verse 10. He says it again in verse 15. He says it again in chapter 2, verse 1. And he says it throughout this book. My son, my son, my son. Again, his son is the target audience of this book of Proverbs. It is for our children. You say, preacher, what's the difference between the young and our children? Well, the young in particular are those in adolescence, I believe. But then when he says, my son, he's talking about his personal child. You see, our children will always be our children in our eyes. We will always feel a responsibility to train them no matter how old they get. These are ones that we have a personal responsibility to. Whether your children are my age or your children are older than mine, we all bear a responsibility to try to help our children along in their wisdom and understanding, especially in the things of God. Solomon felt so burdened about his son, he decided to, through the inspiration of God to give him an entire book of Scripture because he wanted his son to read it and get help from it. So when, so when we see in this book he says, where, he, where Solomon says statements like thy father, he's speaking about himself. When he says thy mother, he's speaking of his wife and his, this son's mother. When he speaks and he says my son, he's not just using a, a nickname that he might be used to talk to someone younger than him. As we might say son. I've, I've been called son by many different men that's not my father. It's, we, we use that term for someone younger than us. I've used it for people younger than me. But here he's talking about his physical son, his child. Our children need wisdom, and the best people to give them wisdom, especially spiritual wisdom, is none other than mom and dad. So we look at this book together. Who is this book written for? We realize that there is a starting audience with Solomon. God gave it to him to give to others. There is a summarized audience in which it applies to all. But then there is a specific audience of the simple, the young men, a wise man, a man of understanding, and then our children. So let's let this book speak to our heart. As God continues to put things on our heart, we'll continue to look at different passages. It may not be straight through, may be here and there, but whatever the Lord leads, I have a burden in my heart to give ourselves to this book as much as we can, especially on Wednesday nights. Amen. But let's 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 let God search our heart. Amen. And uh, you do business with the Lord tonight. Amen. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.